This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, Shalom Ubracha. Today is Tuesday, and we have a shiur for Parshat HaShavua. This week for Parshat Vayetzei, this shiur will be given by Harav David Silverberg. This week we read Parshat Vayetzei, which uh, tells the story of Yaakov's marriage to Rachel and Leah and the birth of the, um, the Twelve Shvatim. What I'd like to discuss is the halakhic issue involved, um, it actually relates to uh, some of the Machshava issues as well, but the question that many, many, um, many writers discussed, and that is how Yaakov was allowed to marry two sisters. Rachel and Leah, of course, were both sisters. They were the daughters of Lavan, and the Torah explicitly says in Pasha Sachrimos in Sefer Vayikra, Perak Yurches, Pasuk Yurches, that at least uh, during the two sisters' lifetime, uh, one is not permitted to marry uh, the two sisters. So the question that uh, has been addressed by many is how was Yaakov permitted to marry two sisters? Um, after he found out that he had uh, accidentally married Leah instead of Rachel, he, she, it seems it, would, it was forbidden for him to then marry Rachel, uh, who was Leah's sister. Uh, now, of course, this all assumes that Yaakov uh, observed all the mitzvahs. And that is the general, that's the common assumption. Um, the Pasuk that's often quoted is a Pasuk in Parshas Toldos, when uh, Hashem tells Yitzchak, he makes all types of promises, and he says, He tells him that uh, I'm going to do all this for you because of your father Avraham, because Avraham observed all my mitzvahs. Okay, that is in Sefer Rishis, Parshas Todos, Perchavav, Pasach Hei. And uh, Chazal, the, the Gemara Masech Yuma, Daf Chavches, Amit Beis, the Gemara Yuma says that from here we see that Avraham observed all the mitzvahs, and it's generally assumed that that's the case as well, regarding Yitzchak and Yaakov. And if so, the question is, if Yaakov really observed all the mitzvahs, um, then how was it that he married um, two, two, two sisters? Uh, which also we, know, uh, we should also note the famous uh, comment of Rashi, the beginning of Parshas Vayishlach, Im Lavan Garti V'Tarag Mitzvos Shamarti, that Yaakov observed all the Tarag Mitzvos, which would imply that if, if he observed all the Mitzvos, it's problematic how he married two sisters. Um, there is one possibility that uh, maybe he actually did a hate. Maybe he was wrong. Maybe he was not allowed, and he uh, he actually committed um, a very grave avera of arayos by marrying two sisters. Um, some people have noted this might be the implication of the Gemara Masechus Pesachim Daf Kufi Tesumat Beis, where the Gemara tells it's a piece of Agadita there. The Gemara says that Lehasid Lava in the future there's going to be a great Suda where all the uh, the Avos and other Tzadikim are going to be participating, and there's, there's going to be a whole discussion as to who's going to lead the Zimun, who's going to uh, lead the benching after the Suda, and each one says no, I can't do it for whatever reason. And when they get to Yaakov Avinu, He's going to say, the reason why I can't lead the Zimun is because I married two, two sisters. So at first glance, it sounds like uh, he actually did something wrong. He wasn't allowed to do it. But if you look carefully at the Gemara, you'll see Yaakovina doesn't actually say, I did something wrong. He says, I married two sisters, which, which in the future was going to be forbidden to Am Yisrael. Um, so the careful reading of the Gemara actually implies the Hefech, that Yaakovina did not commit any Avera by marrying two sisters. It sounds like it was permissible at that point. And that only in the future was it going to be uh, forbidden to Am Yisrael. So, uh, so we'll discuss. Uh, we'll present some of the various uh, approaches that have been present that have been uh, suggested over the years. Um, my research uh, discovered nine different answers to this question. I don't know if we we'll get to all nine, 
Uh, we'll see how fast we go, but uh, certainly the primary, uh, the, or at least the most, the more common, the, more f- the most famous answers uh, that I'd like to discuss. Um, actually, before we get to those uh, to, to those nine possibilities, there is there is of course the possibility that that the Avos really did not um, did not really observe all the mitzvahs. And the Chizkuni in his parish, and that pasuk in Parshas told us, um, the Chizkuni he says at the end he says that uh, this pasuk is not referring to the Tayag mitzvah it's not referring to the mitzvahs of the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Am Yisrael at Harsinai no, it's talking about the Sheva mitzvahs that's what Avraham Avinu did in those, di- in those times where m- most of the world uh, worshipped idols in those days it was a Maila for Avraham Avinu that he observed the Sheva mitzvahs B'nai Noach and that's what Hashem is telling Yitzchak so the Chizkuni held that at least of the Fiyapshat, uh, we don't have to accept uh, what the Gemara Yuma says, that the Avos kept all Tariq Mitzvos, and the Fiyapshat, it's only um, only the Shev Mitzvos B'nei Noach that, 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 that they observed, but uh, we're going we're gonna to assume for, for the moment that, at least not for the moment, the rest of the year will assume that the Avos kept the Mitzvos, and uh, the question therefore is, why was Yaakov allowed to marry Rachel and Leah? Probably the most famous answer is the answer given by the Ramban. The Ramban there in Parshas told us, uh, there in Parshas of Pasuk, hey, uh, the Ramban establishes the famous theory that the Avos kept all the kept all the mitzvos, but only in Eretz Yisrael. Okay? Only during their time when they when they were living in Eretz Yisrael, um, only then were they, did they observe all the mitzvos. Um, let me just find you the exact quote. Uh, yes, the question of he points out a lot of different averos that the Avos did. And the Ramban says, um, that Avram Avinu, he, this, he was able to uh, intuit all the, all the mitzvos through Ruach HaKodesh. And he observed it, on, he observed all the mitzvos on an optional basis, as an inu mitzvah But his observance of the mitzvahs was only in Eretz Kenan. And it was only in Chutz Laaretz that Yaakov married his two sisters. He was in Padan Aram. He was by his father-in-law and his uncle Lavan, outside Eretz Israel, and that's where he was able to marry his two sisters. Uh, the Rambam returns to this point in a very, very famous passage towards the end of Parshas Achrimos. There the Torah describes how HaKadosh Baruch Hu threatens to punish B'nai Yisrael, um, particularly actually with the head of the, of the Arayos, but in general, for doing Averos, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, that if they, uh, if they commit Averos, the land, Eretz Yisrael, will have, to, uh, will have to expel them. And the Ramban there is a very famous piece where he discusses the Milo of Eretz Yisrael, that really the mitzvahs were given um, primarily to be observed in Eretz Yisrael, and when we're outside of Eretz Yisrael, we observe the mitzvahs only as sort of a reminder, so that we don't forget about them, as preparation for our return um, to Eretz Yisrael. That's a very, a very famous piece of the, uh, in, that, that the Ramban discusses um, there in Parsach Rimos. So there actually is a source in Chazal, where Chazal, they interpret the Pasuk in Sefer Yemiyahu Perak Lamanalaf, Hatzivi Lach Tziyunim. The Navi tells B'nai Yisrael and Golos, uh, make for yourselves uh, reminders or landmarks. And Chazal explained that to me, and is referring to the mitzvahs. That in, er- in Chutzlaretz we do the mitzvahs, in Gadus we observe the mitzvahs only as tziyunim, only to uh, to remind us of what the mitzvahs are, so that we could observe them 
when we come back to Eretz Yisrael. Rashi actually brings down a similar comment from Ghazal in his parish in Sefer Dvarim, in the second paragraph of Shema, where um, Hashem threatens that if Pnei Yisrael sin, then... Um, then Bnei Israel will be uh, they'll be thrown out of out of out of Eretz Israel, and then it says Moshe tells Bnei Israel, make sure you do all the mitzvahs, and Rashi says, make sure you do the mitzvahs in Chutzlar so that you'll know what to do when you come back. And interestingly enough, Rashi brings the examples of mitzvahs that are not uh, inherently or integrally related to to, to the land, to Eretz Yisrael, Tefillin, he mentions mezuzah, all those mitzvahs that are there in the parsha in the second paragraph of Shema, even those mitzvahs, which are not mitzvahs at um, on some level they're performed in Chutz Laaretz only in preparation to come back to Eretz Yisrael. So this is the Ramban's famous theory, that the Avos theory observed the mitzvahs were only when they were in Eretz Yisrael. What's the logic behind it? I saw in a sefer called Sam Derech, which is a uh, it's a sefer focusing on the Perushi Haramban Al Torah by um, by Rav Simcha Broid of the uh, of the Chavon Yeshiva. Uh, he suggests as follows. He says that that the mitzvahs really have two qualities to them. Shmiras HaMitzvahs. When we observe a mitzvah, we do two things. First of all, it's obedience. We are obeying the Tzivu of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That itself has. Uh, has importance to it. The fact that Hashem tells us to do something and we do it, or not to do something and we don't do it, that itself is uh, is of value. But secondly, the mitzvahs are inherently valuable. That the key mitzvah itself, or conversely, doing an avera itself, is is inherently either good or bad. He calls it a mitzvah. The reality is that it's a better way, spiritually speaking, of course, is a better way of living when you live according to the mitzvahs, and and it's worse when you when a person commits averos. And so, of course, before Matan Torah, there was not yet any tzivoy. Nobody was commanded to perform the mitzvahs. So there was so the first aspect of Shemir HaMitzvahs, the obedience aspect, the um, the element of fulfilling the divine command, of observing God's uh, instructions, that did not yet apply, obviously, because there was no tzivoy yet. There was no Matan Torah. But the, the second aspect of what he calls the mitzvahs, the, just the natural reality of the the advantage of living according to the mitzvahs that certainly did apply even back then, and therefore the avos um, the avos kept the mitzvahs. However, that mitzvahs according to the Ramban, where that that Eretz Yisrael is the place where mitzvahs are, are supposed to be observed, um, that reality is only in Eretz Yisrael. In terms of the first aspect of obedience, the fact that we do as, as we're told, well, that that of, that applies everywhere, wherever a person is, whether in Eretz Yisrael or Chutz he must obey Hakadosh Baruch Hu. He's still in Eved Hashem. But in terms of the uh, the spiritual uh, significance of the kiyum hamitzvos themselves, uh, the actual kiyum hamitzvos, that is applicable only in only in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, the question is, according to the Ramban, why? How is it that uh, Yaakov remained married to Rachel and Leah when he got back to Eretz Yisrael? Parshas Vayishlach, he returns to Eretz Yisrael with, with both his wives. So, how is that possible? If, uh, so let's say it's, there's no problem that he married them in Padan Aram when he was in Chutz Laaretz, but how is it that when he got back to Eretz Yisrael, he remained married to them? So Ramban has an astounding idea, an astounding idea that he mentions uh, in Sefer Vayikra, actually, in Parshas Achrimos, in that discussion about, the, uh, about the, the fact that Eretz Yisrael is the primary location where the mitzvahs apply, he returns to this, uh, to this uh, question of Yaakov and Rochel and Leah, and he says that for that reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, about whom it said, 
that he governs and directs uh, all world events, he thought that Rachel would die upon Yaakov's return to Eretz Kenan. It's an astounding thing. Um, obviously, it's assumed that according to Chazal, Rashi brings down that Rachel died because of the Kvala that Yaakov placed on her when he said, whoever stole the Trafim, whoever stole these, um, these oracles or idols of Lavan would die. Um, he didn't know that that was referring to Rachel, and because of that Kvala, Rachel died. But according to Ramban, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu worked it out somehow, and how he worked it out with divine justice is, of course, beyond us. Um, but the Ramban says HaKadosh Baruch Hu worked it out that Rachel would, would die when Yaakov returns to, uh, to Eretz Canaan. That's, of course, uh, it's difficult to comprehend in terms of the laws of divine justice, but then again, the laws of divine justice are not something that we're privy to. And so that's not necessarily a question that has to be answered. One could also ask a different question. Um, about this theory of the Ramban, that Rachel died when Yaakov returned to Eretz Yisrael so that he wouldn't be married to two sisters in Eretz Yisrael. In Parshas Vayishlach, it appears that Rachel dies after Yaakov had been living in Eretz Yisrael for quite some time. Um, the Yaakov returns to Eretz Yisrael in uh, Parag Lamed Gimel. That's where he... he, he uh, it says, Vayavo Yaakov Shalem Ir Shechem. He crosses Eretz Yisrael and he goes to Shechem. And there you have, obviously, the whole story of Dina and Shimon and Levi. Then, after that story, Hashem tells Yaakov to go to Betel, where he had made a nether, where he had promised to um, to uh, give HaKadosh Baruch one-tenth of his belongings, and so on. Um, so you have the whole story of these stories, the stories of Shem, and then the story of going to Betel. And only thereafter, HaKadosh Baruch appears to Yaakov again and gives him a bracha. And then, Rachel gives birth to Binyamin, and she passes away. So it seems like he's been in Eretz for quite some time. In fact, Rashi brings down on the pasuk um, before the um, before he actually before he came to Shechem, it says he lived in Sukkos. Ve'Yaakov nasa Sukosa, and Rashi there says he spent a year and a half in Sukkos. And uh, seemingly Sukkos is uh, Sukkos is in Eretz Israel. I guess you could say maybe it's not it's not in Eretz Israel. It's still in Avraham Yardin. Um, that could be so. That year and a half is not necessarily in Eretz Israel. But in any event, there certainly are. It certainly seems that he spent plenty of time. Uh, in Eretz Yisrael before Rachel's passing. Um, so that, that is a question. Uh, it's interesting to note that uh, Menachem Liebtag, in his uh, Shirim on the Internet at Tanakh.org, he raises the possibility, I mean, he, he, he's talking about a different contest, he's not referring to, uh, he's not referring to this Ramban at all, but he suggests the possibility that the story of Binyamin's birth, which is uh, in Parshas Vayishlach, that section seems to be out of sequence. There are a number of indications that this happened earlier than we might have understood that than what appears from the Chomish. For one thing, it says in Perak, that, that section begins in Paraklamet Hey Pasuk Tes, Vayira Elohim al Yaakov od bivaomi padanaram. That Hashem appeared to Yaakov again when he came from padanaram. When he came from padanaram. So that seems like it's, it's it sounds like the, the simple reading of the Pasuk is that that occurred immediately when he came to padanaram. Yet it's presented here in the Chomish afterwards, after the whole story of Shechem. Um, and if so, uh, he, has, uh, he has other proofs as well. He's, try, try, he's trying to figure out how old Shimon and Levi were, the story of Shem. They, they seem to have to be, it seems like they would have to be at least teenagers to be able to kill out a whole city. Uh, but in any event, if that's true, if this section, we're talking about Paraklamet Hay from Pasuk Test until uh, Pasuk Havbez, if that section, which includes the birth of Binyamin and Rachel's death, 
If that happened earlier, as soon as Yaakov came into Eretz Yisrael from Padan Aram, as that Pasuk indicates, then we can answer our question that Rachel, in fact, did pass away as soon as Yaakov came into Eretz Yisrael. Although it should be noted that the Ramban himself has a personal aversion towards um, interpreting Parshios of the Torah out of chronological sequence. He's of the opinion that, generally speaking, events recorded in the Chumash are recorded in chronological order, unless uh, only on very, very rare occasions. And I could imagine that he, if, if he really believed that, then he would have told us somewhere that this section is uh, out of chronological sequence. In any event, this is um, that's the Ramban's famous theory that the Avos kept they, they observed the mitzvos only in uh, in Eretz Oh, j- just one last point regarding the Ramban. Uh, one can still ask, why didn't Yaakov divorce Rachel before they crossed into Eretz Israel? He presumably was not aware. According to the Ramban in Parshat most that Hashem saw to her that Rachel would die. Yaakov, of course, was not aware of that. So why didn't he? Um, why didn't he divorce her if he was going to observe the mitzvos? So the obvious answer, maybe it's not so obvious, but the obvious answer I saw in a sefer called Yaakov Ephraim, which is a sefer on Parish Ramban by a Talmud Chacham in New York named uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kapo Schwartz. Uh, the Yaakov Ephraim explains very simply: the Avos observed the mitzvos as the Inu Mitzvah of Yosef. They obviously weren't commanded. They, it was an optional observance. And when it comes to optional observance, you can't observe a mitzvah at somebody else's expense. Obviously, to divorce Rachel and to leave her alone and uh, unmarried, that would obviously not be nice to Rachel. And uh, personal chumras, personal stringencies and measures that a person wants to take upon himself, um, it might be laudable in its own right, but not when it comes to the expense of somebody else. And that's just uh, it's an inter- interesting notion in general. Interesting, Moser Haskell, that a, pers- a, uh, a person's individual preferences, if it's not required, make her din, and it's only done uh, as something optional or as an additional chumrah, that sh- it should not come at somebody else's expense. So this is the Ramban's. Uh, this is the Ramban's theory. The second famous answer that is commonly uh, um, that is commonly brought down. Uh, the Chizkuni mentions this, and uh, this is also attributed to Rebbe Yom Mizrahi. The Maharsha and Masechus Yuma mentions, uh, discusses this in the name of uh, Rebbe Yom Mizrahi, and also in the Sefer Parshas Tarachim, which is written by Rabbi Yehuda Rosenis, the Mishnah Lamalach. He has uh, famous discussions about uh, whether the Avos had the status of Jews or as B'nai Noach. So the Parshas Tarachim, the very first Jush, he brings down for the Maharash Yafet that the reason why it was permissible for Yaakov to marry two sisters is because of the halachic principle, Gershin is Gair Adami. That when a Goy converts to Judaism and he becomes a Jew, he loses all familial relationships. He is no longer considered related to his family. It's Kikatan Shinola. It's like, uh, as far as Yichus is concerned, he is like a newborn child. Uh, it's like a moment of birth. And therefore, he's no longer related to his biological relatives. And therefore... One, one could claim that Rachel and Leah are considered to have converted, so to speak, whatever type of conversion there was in those days, they were considered uh, Gioros, in which case they were no longer related to each other. And therefore they didn't have the status of sisters, and it was therefore permissible for Yaakov to marry them both. Um, right, this is uh, this is brought up in um, lengthy discussions we find in the Achronim as to whether the Avos, when they became Jews, did that work even Lakula? Meaning, did they became Jews only issues and issues that worked the Chumra that now that that required now uh, stringent measures or even the Kula? Could they, would, did it even apply for uh, with respect to uh, leniencies? I'm not going to get into that, but in any event, 
Sevdachronim do make this point that Rachel and Leah had the status of Giyaros, in which case they weren't considered halachically related to one another. Uh, the Cheskuni here in Pashas Vayetzei, after he, he mentions that, that issue of Gershon is Geyer, and then he makes another suggestion without bringing any proof. He doesn't bring any source for this. It's uh, pure speculation. He says that it's possible, at least, that Rachel and Leah were born to two different mothers. It could be that Lovan had two wives, and Rachel was born from one wife, and Leah was born from the other wife, in which case they were only half-sisters. And he brings down from the Gemara, that the yichus for goyim, for b'nei noach, the yichus is only based on the relationship to their mother and not relationship to their father. And so since they had different mothers, they weren't, uh, at least according to the laws of b'nei noach, they weren't technically considered sisters. And that's why it was permissible for Yaakov uh, to marry them both. Um, okay, another answer that many, many, um, that several achronim bring down the, uh, the the Parshas Drachen brings this uh, second answer also down from the Maharash Yafa and the Maharal and Parshas Vayigash mentions this as well very simply that Yaakov he married the two sisters Alpi Hadibur okay, it was based on some prophetic insight he uh, heard it from HaKadosh Baruch he saw it from Ruch HaKodesh I don't know if he, if he received an explicit nevuah but he foresaw Baruch HaKodesh the Maharal is, is very clear on this the Maharal there in Gur Ayyeh in Parshas Vayigash the Maharal says that Yaakov Avinu foresaw Baruch HaKodesh, that these two women, Rachel and Leah, were suitable for him. That, these, that they were qualified, they were worthy of being the Imahos, of being the ones with whom he was going to build Am Yisrael and beget the, uh, the Shvatim. And therefore, it was p- permissible. Now, of course, this raises the question about uh, overturning Halacha based on prophecy, based on Ruch HaKodesh. Obviously, we, we don't do that. But as um, it's commonly explained that this concept of Loba Shamaimhi, that we don't uh, determine halacha, we don't determine Torah, mitzvos, we don't make decisions based on otherworldly factors, uh, such as Nevuah and Ruach HaKodesh, that did not apply before Matan Torah, and for a very simple reason. Um, the concept of Loba Shamaimhi, the Rambam mentions this in Echos Torah, when he talks about a Navi Sheker, when he says that a Navi who comes and says that I received a Nevuah to violate this, to uh, not, not if it's to violate on a one-time basis, that's our Rasha. Like Eliyahu Bahara Carmel, so that that you, if if he's a navi muksak, if he's a well-established navi, then you listen to him. But if a navi comes and says that he received a nevuah that mitzvah X does not apply anymore, any longer, that this mitzvah should be scratched out of the Torah, you then according to the Rambam, that navi is immediately executed for being a navi sheker. Why? Because he's going against the Torah. That Moshe Rabbeinu said, Lo b'shamaimi. That once Hakadosh Baruch gave us the Torah, it's no longer in the heavens. Now it's down on earth. Once the Torah is down on earth. All the decisions of how to observe the Torah has to, be, has to be made based on the Torah that we have, based on the Torah that we're given. There's no more any, any revelation after Mamar Harsinai, after HaKadosh gave Moshe Rabbeinu the Torah, and we, and we learned it from him. All halachic decisions now come based on the Torah. Um, but before Matan Torah, the Torah was still Bashamayim. It was still in the heavens. And therefore, it was perfectly legitimate at that point to... Uh, to paskin, so to speak, to conduct oneself, even if it's against what the Torah says, if it's based on Nevu or Ruach HaKodesh, um, that would be permissible. Uh, several Rachronim say the similar thing, why Avram Avinu was allowed to uh, be Maver Nachala. He, Torah says at the end of Parshat Zachary that he gave everything, he gave all his possessions, he bequeathed to Yitzchak, 
And to the uh, other children, he just gave matanos. He gave small gifts. And uh, some acharnim say, even though it's usher, even though there's a prohibition that a person cannot be ma'avir nachla, he can't uh, deny some children their fair share in the uh, in the inheritance. He was allowed to do that because he foresaw Baruch HaKodesh uh, that uh, he was told through Nevuah. He was told that Yitzchak is his primary child and he really deserves all the Arusha. Again, because before Matan Torah, there is no concept of Lo Bashamayimi because the Torah was Bashamayim. The Torah was still in the heavens. Okay, and, there, and therefore, if it's true that Yaakov foresaw Baruch HaKodesh, that Rachel and Leah were the ones chosen to be the uh, the imahos, be the mothers of uh, Am Yisrael, then he was certainly entitled uh, to do that. In a similar vein, although it's, it's a little bit of a different angle, but in a, very, in a similar vein, Rav Chaim of Alajan, in Nefesh HaChaim, he explains uh, why this was permissible for Yaakov to do it. He explains that the, the Avos, basically, they intuited the Torah based on their Ruach HaKodesh. Their observance of the Torah wasn't because it was given to us at Harsina. It wasn't because they were commanded to do it. It was because that's what they understood through Rechakodesh, through their uh, penetrating insight into the divine will. They understood through their intuition that this is uh, the best thing to do. This is the way that, that a person is supposed to live, a life of Torah mitzvahs. So therefore, if they first so this, it's the same insight that they had, which led them to observe the Torah through that same insight, they foresaw in certain situations that the, the Torah did not have to be observed. Okay? Of course, this would not, in our day, after Matan Torah, this wouldn't, this wouldn't wash, because once we have the Torah, we're bound by it. But they observed the Torah not because they were bound by it, not because they entered into a covenant with HaKadosh Baruch Hu at Har Sinai, uh, by which they committed themselves to observing the Torah, but it was, again, through Ruach HaKodesh, through their spiritual insight, they foresaw that this is what uh, they were supposed to do. And therefore, if they saw that they were supposed to do something that went against the Torah, then uh, certainly then that, that would be uh, legitimate. And that's how he explains this is in Nefesh HaChaim, Chedek Aleph, Perek Chaf Aleph. And he, and he explains there are other, other, insta- other instances where we find that the Avos did not necessarily observe the mitzvahs. Okay, so just to uh, recap so far, we've seen number one, the Ramban. In Parshas told us, and in Parshas Achrimos, who says that the Avos observe the Torah only in Eretz Israel. Uh, a number of um, a number of Achronim and, and, and the Chizkuni, they said that the the Rachamle had the status of Gershon Iskarikikon Shenola Dami, that they were not considered sisters. The Chizkuni also suggested that perhaps they were born to different mothers. So Midine Bnei Noach, they were not technically considered sisters. That's number three, and number four. There's a theory of the Maharal and the Maharashi Yafa that uh, this was done by Ruach HaKodesh. And in a similar vein, the Nefesh HaChaim says that um, uh, basically it's basically the same idea, that this was done through uh, some kind of intuition. It's the same intuition with which they observed uh, all the Torah generally. Okay, so that's so far um, four, maybe five explanations. I believe the Nefesh HaChaim and then Maharashi Yafa and, and the Maharal is really the same. Um, the Ramah, in one of his chuvas, in the Shuta Ramah Simen Yud, he has a whole discussion there about um, many, many issues regarding the mitzvahs b'nei Noach. And amidst his discussion there, he mentions, he posits the theory that it was only Avram Avinu who observed the mitzvahs. The other of us did not observe all the mitzvahs. Um, again, the, the Gemara Yuma, when it says that, the, that uh, it refers only to Avram Avinu, Avraham they learned from there that it was only uh, it was it was Avram Avinu who observed all the mitzvahs. The Ramah said that that was not necessarily the case regarding Yitzchak and Yaakov, 
And he says that's why Yaakov married two sisters, because he did not observe all the mitzvahs. That's uh, simple enough. Many other achronim uh, reject this view. The Stechemen has a piece about this where he says that he doesn't understand what the Ramah is talking about. He said oh, it's, it's always uh, assumed throughout rabbinic literature that uh, all the Avos kept the Torah. And we mentioned earlier Rashi, the beginning of Parshas Vayishlach, in Love and Gati Vitarik Mitzvah Shamarti. It seems like it seems clear that Yaakov uh, did observe all the mitzvahs, but in any event, this is the theory of the Ramah. The Maharal. We mentioned earlier he develops the idea of uh, Baruch HaKodesh, the Yaakov for Baruch HaKodesh, that he was supposed to marry Rachel and Leah. He, at the, at the end of his discussion there in Parshas Vayigash, this is in Barashas Perak Menavav Pasag Yud in, uh, in Gur Aryeh, uh, at the end he concludes upon a different theory, where he distinguishes, very interestingly, he distinguishes between Mitzvah Saseh and Mitzvah Lo Saseh. He says when it comes to Mitzvah Saseh, then he understands why even if you're Inu Matsuva, even though you're not commanded with regard to uh, this um, this given action, nevertheless, since it is spiritually valuable as a mitzvah, then it's worthwhile to do, even on a voluntary basis. But when it comes to mitzvah losa, say, however, when it comes to mitzvah losa, say, say, there's no reason in the world why a person should, who's not bound by a certain prohibition, there's no reason why he should feel, why he should uh, refrain from those, uh, from those actions which are proscribed. For example, he writes here. He says, "Va'omerani." He says, "Sorry, one second." With a feed dati, he says, "In mikayim lo sase shelo nitztava olav." If a person observes a mitzvah, a mitzvah lo sase, regarding which he was not commanded, who greyusa? He said, "It's you're doing something wrong." He said that it's not that's that's not a ma'ila. That's nothing to be proud of. It's a gvriyusa. She'ein le'esor atzma b'davar shelo asar sohatora. He says a person should not forbid upon himself things which the Torah did not forbid upon him. Okay, and he, he brings an interesting proof. He says as a halacha lo yelech adam b'veis hakvaros v'tzitzit shelo negvaros al hakever. A person shouldn't go to a beis hakvaros to a cemetery while his tzitzis are dragging on uh, on the graves. Why? David loeg the rush. Because it looks as if you're making fun of the uh, of the of the niftarim of the deceased uh, people who are there in the Beis Hakfaros, uh, and it's like you're showing them, look, I have the opportunity to do mitzvahs and you don't. But the Maral says, When it comes to the iser of kilayim of wearing shatnes, you're allowed to make the tachrichim, the shrouds. You're allowed to make them out of shatnes, and that's not considered loig the rush. Right? Why? Why is not considered loig the rush? You're making fun of the deceased. You're saying, "Look, you don't have the opportunity to be mekayim a mitzvah lo sase." So why is why, what's the difference between tzitzis? You don't want to show them tzitzis because it looks like you're making fun, but yet you're allowed to wrap a deceased person in shrouds made from kelaim. Why is that not loig the rush? Maral explains the shani mitzvah lo sase they ain't loig the rush. Kevin shlon it's tavev mitzvos because when it comes to mitzvah lo sase, if you're not if you're not commanded in it. If there's no tzivu, there's no inyan, there's no, uh, you don't accomplish anything by being, by, by observing it. mitzvah. He says, that if you're not mitzvah, if you're not included in the tzivu, you have a mitzvah losaseh, so then there's, you're not missing out by, by not observing the losaseh, because there's nothing to observe. Ava mitzvah saseh, ava yidoi gdorash, afal gav shehameis patur min ha-mitzvah, sof sof chasadol kinyan mitzvah. And he says, "V'davar ze iker." He says, even though there are other answers, he says ze iker. This is the this is the right answer. Says, says the Maharal, that the right answer is.
that since that when it comes to mitzvahs lo sasei, um, there is uh, there's no maila, there's no advantage to keeping it if you're not com- if you're not commanded. That is the uh, the maharal. If, um, yeah, I'm running out of time. Just very very quickly, uh, there's a uh, there's a famous answer that's attributed to Revelvel Salavechik, the Grizz. It's uh, written in the stencil, the Grizz Torah. And a very similar explanation was given by Rav Moshe Feinstein. It's in Igros Moshe, Chelek Evin HaEzer, Chelek Dalet, Simentes. And basically the theory there is that the Isser of Shtei Achayos, the Isser of marrying, the prohibition of marrying two sisters applies only if it's done Api Kedusha Yisrael. Meaning, it had, the since the command of Isser of Shtei Achayos was given after Matan Torah, it applies only to marriage that's done according to the Torah's definition of marriage, of Kiddushin. The Rambam, in the beginning of Hilchos Ishus, has a very famous piece there where he describes the difference between what marriage was before Matan Torah and what marriage was after Matan Torah. Before Matan Torah, a man and a woman would meet and they would, uh, that's, and it was very casual, he would go, they would go home together and, and they were married. And after Matan Torah, there was the, inst- there was the institution of Kiddushin a formal process of Kiddushin, of betrothal, without which there cannot be any marriage. And the Isra of Shteachayos, which was given only after Matan Torah, with Matan Torah, obviously, it assumes already the institution of Kiddushin. And therefore, before there was an institution of Kiddushin, there is, it, you can't have an Isra of Shteachayos, because all the, the entire concept, the prohibition of to marry two sisters, what it means is, marry according to the Jewish definition of marriage, according, which, which entails Kiddushin. And before Matan Torah, there was no such thing as Kiddushin. The Rambam writes that explicitly in Hechos Ishos. Even if we say that the Avos from Akaim the Mitzvah, they, can, they, could not, um, they couldn't invent a status that didn't exist. And so since there was no status of Kedusha Yisrael at the time, so therefore, Yaakov married neither Rachel nor Leah al-Pi Kedusha Yisrael, because there was, no, there was no concept of Kedusha Yisrael at the time, and therefore the Isra of Shtei Achayos would not apply. Uh, it's interesting to note, there's an uh, obscure... Comment by the Maharitz Chayos Masechas Tainis in his in his Agos to the Gemara Masechas Tainis Dav Dalid, where he just says very flatly that the Avos do not observe the Dini Arayos. They didn't observe the Arayos. They were Shomer all the Torah except for the Arayos. And uh, I forgot who, but I saw some of the, some of the later Achronim. They they say, well, what's he talking about? Why you know, the Arayos are a particularly strict area of Halacha? Why, why how could it be that the Avos were Mekayim all the other mitzvahs, but they weren't Mekayim the Arayos? So it could be that this is what he had in mind. I, I don't know for sure, but it could be that's what he had in mind, that Arayos, which depended upon the status of Kiddusha Yisrael, the status of Kiddushin, and that status didn't uh, exist before Matan Torah, and therefore uh, the Avos were not bound, uh, they weren't bound by that, um, by those by those Yisurim. I just finally, I just want to read to you, I, I, I can't say that I understand it, and in fact I can't say that I don't. Uh, the Rashba has a tshuva, when he discusses this question of Yaakov marrying two sisters, and this is what he says, regarding the fact that Yaakov married two sisters, you should know, the Torah is established on three pillars. The first is time, the second is place, location, Okay, and the third is uh, literally utensils, but it means uh, physical means. Um, and he explains as follows: Hazman local hayomim asurim b'malacha kishabes. Time, not all days are uh, forbidden to do malacha, like on Shabbos and, and Yom Tov. V'lo asurim b'chametz kepesach. Only on Pesach is there a prohibition against eating chametz. 
So time is the first uh, of the three factors that affect the obligations of the Torah. And also place. The agricultural laws. The obligation to bring carbonos only applies in the only applies in the base hamikdash. Okay, the hakelim and in terms of the instruments, lo bechol davar yotzim tumoras halulav v'etrog. Okay, you need specifically the four species, the four species of halulav and etrog, hadasim and aravos to be yotzei arbaminim, and nothing else uh, can be used. V'lo kol davar makrivim kebakar v'tzon torim u'bnei not all animals are suitable for kabanos. Only bakar, tzon, torim, and benayona. Certain uh, cattle and sheep, and, and these two species of birds. Only a kohen is um, is allowed to do the avod in the base hamikdash. I cannot explain this anymore. Umaskil adavar yimtza. Okay, somebody who's intelligent will find the answer. Okay, I don't know what he's referring to. But he says that the answer lies in this theory, that it's Ashlasha Amudim, the three pillars on which the Torah depends. Time, place, and Kalim. I guess he's trying to say that for some reason um, the prohibition did not apply, the, the prohibition of Shehachayos did not apply at that time, meaning before Matan Torah, in that place, in uh, Aram Naharayim, in Padan Aram, and, and those people, Yaakov, Rachel, and Leah. Uh, how that uh, how that answers the question, I'm not sure. The, the Radbaz, who lived after the Rashba, Shuta Radbaz, he was asked to explain this truth of the Rashba, and he says, um, he refer, he says to the person who asked him the question, You're grabbing onto my neck to get me to say something, to get, to get me to, um, to reveal something that I'm not interested in revealing. And he says, In order not to let you go empty-handed, I'll, I'll give you uh, some hints. And he uh, doesn't really help us so much. And he says, uh, he tells us, He said, Nobody else is allowed to marry two sisters, but Yaakov is the Because Yaakov's image is engraved upon the Kisi HaKavod. And then he goes into how this is, uh, how this the Isser of Arayos, the nature of the Isser of Arayos, and why uh, it was allowed in the case of Yaakov and Rachel and Leah. Again, I can't say that I uh, that I understand it, but if you want if you want to look it up, it's the Shutter Radbaz, Chelik Beis, Simin Tafresh, Tzadi Vav. So just a very quickly review, we had, number one, the Ramban, who said that the Avos kept the Torah only in Eretz Yisrael. Um, the Chizkuni, Rebbe Yomazrachi, and the Maharash Yafa explained that they had a status of Gerim, and therefore Rachel and Leah weren't sisters. The Chizkuni speculated that perhaps... Um, they were born to two different mothers, in which case, according to the, the laws of B'nai Noach, they were not considered halachically sisters. The Maharal and the Maharash Yafa say that it was done al-pi hadibur, and before Matan Torah, um, before Matan Torah, through Nevuah, we could overturn mitzvahs. Um, in a very similar vein, the Nefesh Ha'chaim says that the, that the Avos intuited the, the mitzvahs in the first place, it was done through Ruach HaKodesh, so therefore that same Ruach HaKodesh which intuited the mitzvahs could also overturn the mitzvahs. The Ramah claimed that only Avram kept the mitzvahs and not Yitzchak and Yaakov. The Maharal distinguished between mitzvahs hasei and mitzvahs los hasei, that the Avos observed mitzvahs hasei, but they did not observe mitzvahs los, los hasei since they were not commanded. And the Rebbe Velvel and also Rebbe Moshe Feinstein, and perhaps the Maharal as well, 
they explain that the Isser of Shteachayos depends upon the concept of Kiddusha, of, of Kiddusha Yisrael, of actual Kiddusha, which, which, which did not yet exist. And finally, we had the Rashba, who uh, didn't really explain. Um, if anybody has any, has any suggestions as to what the Rashba means, you're more than welcome to uh, write them in. Shabbat Shalom.